in the goods, in the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle, and in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open up unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. Yeah, this is the ESV. Okay, and it was verse 11 starting with? Yes, 11. Okay, um, verse 11, so Deuteronomy 28:11, And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity and the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury in the heavens to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the works of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you head and not the tail. And you shall only go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. Be careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to write, to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So can I ask you a question? Okay, so it's saying the commandments I give you today. This is right before he gave Moses the Ten Commandments? Or what is the commandments he's about to give today? I believe it is when he's given it on talking about the whole 600 and something but i mean in the in the sense that that he'd be talking about it that way yes but at the same time um people made mistakes and god still blessed them even in the old covenant people um cheated 
with other people's wives and then had the persons killed and still got blessed. Um, even the blessing came from the woman who, who the failure came from and produced the richest king in all of Israel and all of history. So was there, okay, so was there any financial um, baseline or like what you had to do financially to be blessed in those commandments? Did it say anything like, because it says right here, we're going to lend and not borrow. We're going to be the head and not the tail. Does it say anything about like, if, so it says, if you follow these commandments, but is there anything in those commandments that you know of that's like, um, I'll make you be prosperous and be the lender, not the borrower, the head, not the tail, as long as you're responsible with your finances or um, you don't, you don't give money something else if the Holy Spirit tells you to give or something like is it is that a stipulation that's what I'm saying not that I can think of okay. and then based on the new covenant with Jesus the only two commandments that we are to follow is love your God and love one another right love your God as yourself Love your, God. Love your neighbor and yourself. Mm. What's the two? Love God and love others, right? Those are the two things that Jesus mentioned to fulfill all the law. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that that's our job because he fulfilled the law. Right. So for us, what there is to do is the scripture that says, what, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And he mm. said, believe on the one whom he has sent. Mm. That's what we do. We believe in the one who he has sent. It will produce us loving God and loving everybody else because just like Jesus said too, who, who loves more? The one who's forgiven much or the one who's forgiven little? The one who's forgiven much loves more. So we will love God because we've been forgiven much. And we will love others because we're so full of the love of God that we can't help but to share it and to spread it and to, to give it out like he's given to us so freely. So when it says, you shall be the lender, you shall be the head, not the borrower, not the tail. So does that mean maybe, or like it's a definite thing? Shall is the most definite you can get. Okay. And there's no stipulation to that as long as we follow the commandments. Yeah. So should we go right here? He's talking about Old Covenant commandments. So should we go based on that, or should we go based on what Jesus is saying now? As far as to receive from God? This promise, yeah. To receive this promise, the Bible says that all the promises of the Old Testament, all the promises that God's made are yes and amen in Christ yes. So in okay. Christ Jesus, those are done deal. So, I'm just asking because I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be wrong, or I don't want to misinterpret the Bible at all. So... Based on what you know in this Old Covenant and New Covenant, what should we do to be prosperous? Trust in Jesus. Is there any 
natural or practical thing. Like you see all like the Christian financial advisors. I know there's a big one. Like I don't know who should name names, but um, you know that it says do this. You know, do that. You know, have this, save that. Or eight keys to being rich. Or right. So. Keys to being what prosperous. do you think about that? I think that they many times are using sound, good biblical principles um, to make those keys. There's nothing wrong with that in, in any way. Yeah. But what they're, what we many times do, us as Christians, wow. as believers, as people, is we try to Abraham it up. I might say, uh, try to go ahead and fulfill the promise of God with our by ourselves, get ourselves into it and, and do it. That's how we get the promise of God by. Um, marrying Hagar and having another kid or something like that. To me, I think that's what we do or we jump the gun and we try to um, try to help God because maybe he doesn't know exactly what time it should be because it's, he's a bit late, we feel. So as far as the Bible's concerned, when we take action based on faith, when we take actions that are produced by faith, then those are the actions we should take. Otherwise, it's just you trust in God, and then go with, when you're trusting, it produces actions many times, and that's actions you would do. But it's not because the actions are bringing about God's promise, but because you have faith in God's promise, you do those actions. Okay. So it's not like you're practically trying to make God's word come true. You're trusting that God's word is true, so you do things accordingly. So what would you say to somebody that's completely in debt and in the natural, they are the borrower and not the lender, or the tail and not the head. But as far as they're concerned, they're living carefree like a child, expecting their daddy to take care of them. What would you say to that person? But their life looks like it's in shambles financially. I would, I would say that God said it. It has to be. He said it shall be done. So it has to be. In that case, I would say that you have to, you have to decide whether you're going to trust the Word of God or what you can see, what you can feel, what you can touch. You have to decide that you're going to believe in Him regardless of what you see, regardless of what everybody else sees, regardless of the information that uh, you're getting from friends and your family and your loved ones, um, you're going to have to decide that God's word is the last word in your life. He's the final, he's the, like he said, he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. So that's where your your hope comes from, that's where your help comes from. And you trust in him and him alone, and you keep on, and you don't grow weary of doing the good thing of trusting him. And what would you say about stewardship? And responsibility, like good stewardship, good financial responsibility, biblically. There's a few things that come to mind. Um, first of all, if if our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, um, it's not something you have to be careful over. You don't have to be careful like um, people many times think of stewardship as being so careful. And I don't think that we should be wasteful, absolutely not, but 
to be careful is to be not casting your cares on the Lord. You're full of care instead of casting your cares on the Lord because He cares for you. Um, so, I don't think it's the same as being careless, but it's being, it's, it's understanding that your cares are given to the one who cares for you and who's able, who's more than able to take care of everything that you place in his hands. You place something in God's hands, you don't have to worry or be concerned that it's not going to be taken care of. And I know that many times it can feel irresponsible. It can feel like um, you're, you're doing nothing or you're doing worse than nothing because you are the one who got yourself in that position. Possibly you are the one who... Um, but many times you got there because you trusted God. You got there because you believed that God was leading you in a certain direction and you chose to do that even though um, it looked like that was the wrong choice. Like, it looks like it's the wrong choice to decide to go into battle with 300 men when you can go into battle with 30,000. What makes sense in the natural is not what makes sense with faith because you don't need faith for the natural. I don't need faith to... Um, to realize that 30,000 men is better in a fight than 3,000. It's common sense. Go ahead. That's good. I was, just, I was just thinking about that. So, it's easy, like, to go into battle with a lot of men. Because you're going to, you'll be like, okay, we got this. And you're trusting in your own strength or your men's strength or your army's strength. And then when you relate it financially, if you have $50,000 in your checking account, you feel secure in what God will ask you to do. But if you have a negative balance in your checking account, and God says, give $1,000, it doesn't make any sense to you. So, it's hard. But, what would you say to that? then that's how you know that a miracle has to happen. That something outside of the natural has to occur. Because God said what He said. He said He's your provider. He said He's more than enough. He said He's the beginning and the end. He said that if you trust in Him, you'll never be disappointed. And you have only acted according to what you believe God told you to do. And even if you're wrong, there's many times in the Old Testament even, and we're not even talking about the New Testament when we're full to chock full with all of God, wall to wall, Holy Ghost on the inside, right? We're not even talking about that. We're talking about people who didn't have everything we have, and they made mistakes. They took the wrong choice. They forgot to even ask God. Not, they didn't just hear from God and decide not to do it, but they didn't even ask His opinion. They just decided to go their own way and do their own thing. And when they did that, God still showed up. Many times they didn't even... They never came to the point of asking him. He just came in and said, Hey, the, tr the path you're on is not going to be fruitful for you. Um, let's do things differently. And then when the things that he, they would have to do differently, even then doesn't make sense because now they're going to either lose men, like in the case of Gideon, or they're going to lose money. In the case of another king, I forgot his name, is king of Israel who lost um, money on hired uh, army. Or plenty of times when they basically have were losing in the natural by trusting in God, by looking to God. Like Abraham, you started off already old. 
getting another 25 years before he had the promise didn't gain him anything as far as the natural is concerned. He wasn't getting life from old age like he was because of Jesus, because of God, I mean. And Jesus is God. But So because of God, he was getting um, life, but it's because of the promise of God, not because years bring you more life typically in the natural, right? So in the natural, he was getting into a worse position to receive the promise. He was getting, and that's why people use those, uh, what do they say, it's getting darkest, it's going to be darkest before the dawn. Those things are because what happens is that it seems to me that when God tells you something and gives you a promise, then things start to look worse than they started. And you have to expect the promise of God in the midst of far more than you even started out with. Far more trouble, trial, uh, experiential failure, it seems. Do you think that... Do you think that if you're living a life that you truly believe and you're in agreement with, you know, someone that you're walking together with and others around you are... Um, not necessarily in agreement. Do you think that you could cause them to stumble or to lose them? Possibly, like, as a family member or, you know what I mean? Or just cause them to go astray. Jesus said that he would bring division in families even in close families, that mothers and fathers, uh, I believe sisters, brothers, that he would be bring the division. So, to say that everything will always be good, um, if you're following hard after Christ Jesus with every member of your family, I mean, from Jesus' own words, it sounds like that's not going to always happen. But it doesn't mean that you should give up and that you should stop, stop trusting God for their salvation and that that like in the Old Testament it says, or, or actually in the New Testament, when, when people got saved in the, uh, in the New Testament, many times it would say him and his whole household was saved. Like the centurion and his whole household were baptized or whatever the case may be. Um, I believe that that's, uh, that's a promise that, he, uh, that's, that's a blessing that each and every one of us can believe God for. That us and our whole household will be saved. But sometimes during the, during the, uh, in the middle, as some people say it, or in the meantime, when um, that stuff is manifesting, manifesting, you could have problems with your family, you could have problems with them. I think the biggest thing is to not, you don't have to, um, when God gives you something good, and you know it's good, it's okay to share it, but at the same time, you can't throw pearls before swine, as Jesus said, there's some things that you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to, uh, Share with, I don't think it should be totally isolated with just you and God, but share with somebody that you trust, that you can, um, you know, your husband, your wife, your pastor, or if your pastor is not someone, because unfortunately, I'm not trying to say anything bad about pastors, of course, I'm a pastor, uh, but as a pastor, we don't always see everything um, necessarily from the the, the perspective that's most helpful to you or or sometimes we we're 
as a pastor, so concerned for you, that we so want you to succeed, that we so want you to uh, experience all the goodness of God and, um, and stuff that we may hold back, you know, because we're concerned about hurting you. By making you trust God too much, this is impossible. It's impossible for you to trust God too much, but sometimes pastoral people, leaders, we can get um, we can get to the point where we're afraid. It's kind of like having a, a, a insurance. We get insurance because if somebody comes to our place, our church or facility, and they get hurt, we want to make sure that they can get paid for. But we didn't trust that God just wouldn't keep them for hurt, or that if they got hurt while there, we. We didn't trust necessarily that we could just go lay hands on them right there and get them healed right then and there. Because we're, we're looking at all these things in the natural. I think um, these things that we're doing in the natural to prepare people or to ensure people or to keep people from potential harm is what, um, is what it says in the Bible when it says to don't trust in worldly riches because they are not stable and they can crash, fall, whatever. When he was talking to, um, when he was talking about the ruler who, or the rich guy who had created more, was so wealthy that he even um, built up his storehouse to hold more of his stuff. And then, the, and then it says, fool, this night your life will be account of you. And he didn't have that. I mean, it didn't matter that he had that money. Well, I guess he gave it to his kids um, if he had any kids. But the point is, is that he could, he had everything he needed all throughout his life and didn't have any lack. But if he came to trust in that or to prepare for that or in a sense that he's not going to use it or give it or be generous with it or be free with it, then he didn't get to enjoy it anyway. Yeah. Do you believe that the devil, and this is something I know that you and I both have kind of wondered and I think that we came to a conclusion and agreed but do you think that the devil would ever tell a believer you know give this give this um, when you didn't necessarily have it to put you in a bad situation purposely Um, or do you think that's even possible Even possible to what? Be to give foolishly? Yeah. Or to give outside of good? Right. Let me um look up a scripture real quick. Because anytime you're giving, you're giving to bless someone, right? And it's not, it's not. How can giving be of a selfish desire? If it's not by faith, you shouldn't do it. But if you're giving and it's by faith, then you're okay. Because you are giving in faith. Whatever something else in the background, whatever else is going on, if somebody's misusing the funds, if you don't think you're going to have enough to make the ends meet. Um, it's like the, the widow. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that. That was all that she had to live on. Or even the lady that had the mites, right? Is that what you're talking about? talking about Elijah or Elijah? Well, well, no, I'm talking about the one that Jesus was watching in the temple, that was everything that she had to live on. That means that that must have been her mortgage money, her food money, you know, so it was already designated for something else, right? And she gave it all. 
And she was blessed for that when he was watching other people just put in their 10%. Right? Well, definitely Jesus called her blessed, but um, he doesn't talk about the blessing actually occurring in the Bible. I mean, there's no there's no record of her later on being, you know, the richest woman in town or anything. Mm, that's good. That's good. Um, so here's a scripture from Ecclesiastes 1. Um, it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. <clears throat> if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Um, there's a few things here. So, if we're concerned about the future, this is what he's saying when he's saying, in, in my opinion, and the Holy Spirit leads you as you hear the living word of God. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Um, if you're looking around at the wind, at the experience in life, at, um, at the... Um, bank account or your bills or your or the way it looks because in the farming days a lot their livelihood depended on the <clears throat> the clouds and the wind and the rain I mean is it going to give my crops water so that we can uh, we can harvest something or or what if there's going to be a famine so we can't harvest anything because the ground is dry <clears throat> so if you're looking at that and you don't sow so you don't move forward as though you're going to succeed the person who sows is putting something that they could use for food or taking care of themselves. They're putting it into the ground in the belief and the hope that there will be more. So they're not, and it's like he says at the beginning, cast your bread upon the water. So that seems foolish. Why would I throw my bread upon the waters? And then he says, for you will find it after many days. And give a portion to seven or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on the earth. And that's kind of like the guy who stored it up as well because he doesn't know what disaster is going to happen and he's not going to be able to spend it if he didn't give it. But in this case, we can be a blessing. We can help others. We can, um, if there is a disaster, we can pour out from ourselves because we're being poured into by the one who never runs dry. It all boils down to that. You can't be lo you can't be robbed. You can't be taken from. Even if the devil tries to lie to you, how can you who are from the unlimited one be diminished. How can you who are getting your everything from the mighty God, the almighty, this all-sufficient one, the beginning and the end, how can you run out? How can you run dry? The devil can take all he wants and he's going to have to pay it back because he's a thief and the thief has to pay back sevenfold. He can do it if he wants. Guess what? To us, it's even more a blessing because not only are we getting from the unlimited one, but now somebody else owes us something that they try to take from us. They cannot take that from the children of God. They cannot take it from you. Your house is secure as long as you build your house upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ. Not works, not you finishing His work. He is the finished work. He is the one who has done it all. You can trust in Him and Him alone. You don't have to have Jesus plus insurance. I'm not saying anything against... Well, I kind of am saying something against insurance. Let's trust Jesus. But, uh, but I'm not saying that God's going to be upset with anybody. 
You 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 trust God as long as you do it in faith, the faith that you're able to uh, employ right now, where, wherever you're at, in whatever position you're in. God wants you to to move on. He wants you to go forward. He wants you to um, experience better than you've experienced. Trust for more than you've trusted for. But many times when you go to trust God for those things and you go to step out to the next level, you go to um, expect the impossible from God. Expect things that nobody else could even dream of expecting. When you do, you're going to have to go through a time where um, it seems like it got worse. And I'm not saying that because God wants to give it to you. I'm not sure exactly how that happens. Why did Abraham have to wait 25 years when he was already old to have a kid? Why did, uh, you know, all the people, why did David have to wait 20 years or whatever it was? When he was told he was going to be a king, he lived in a cave hiding. I mean, if I hear that I'm going to be a king and then now my lifestyle goes down to living in a cave, having to go to the restroom in the corner of a cave, or somebody else coming to go to the restroom in my cave, uh, I, you know, you could feel like that you have going that you're going the wrong direction. You might feel like, oh, you know what, God, I, I must have heard you wrong because look where I'm at now. But I think God is telling you, each and every one of you who is trusting on the promises of God, who is believing God for a miracle in spite of everything you see, keep on. Like I, I say many times, from uh, finding Nemo, like Dory said, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. What would you say to a person that is has lost their fins or the water runs dry and they can no longer swim? For example, their their credit cards are maxed out and their bank account is negative. So not only do they have nothing to give, they have nothing to pay their debt with, and they're literally at their rock bottom. Is this promise still true? Like, what, what, that doesn't stop this from being true, but where are you at in the natural? You know what I mean? In the natural, you're in the perfect position for a miracle. Because otherwise, you have no other way. So then in the natural, you're coming to the point where you're trusting that, God, you have to come through because nothing else can. Like, like Noah. I relate to Noah so much. <laughs> and I love that movie. Um, Evan Almighty, mm-hmm. where he was Noah, basically, because everybody thought Noah was crazy. You know, for 120 years, he's working and building this boat and saying, get on the boat, it's going to rain, and it, it never rained, ever, ever. So people were like, what is rain? You, you're crazy, we're not getting on this boat. And he just kept doing what God said, and maybe, maybe he, I wonder, ever doubt? Did he ever say, it never even says in the word that he one time said, um, God, these people are thinking I'm crazy. I think I'm going to stop, right? He just kept on swimming and kept on trekking, regardless of what those people, and they even said that they came out and camped out there to make fun of him, right? They like brought all their friends and family, got their (laughs) camping chairs and sat there and watched him build this boat and pointed fingers and mocked him, right? Oh, they definitely mocked him. Yeah. And then look what happened. I mean, it took 120 years, which was unfortunate, but it's okay. Back then they lived 700, 900 years. 
but yeah, I can relate to that. So I know that, I mean, I can speak for you and I, that we definitely don't want to do anything wrong according to what, you know, the Holy, we believe the Holy Spirit is telling us to do, and we certainly don't want to worry any friends and family or um, make anybody mad or anything like that. But if we believe that we're trusting in God, what, what, what else can we do? I don't know. If someone's concerned about us and they, they voice that concern, do we just reassure them? I don't I would, in, in our case, and in anybody's case who's standing on promises that make you look crazy, yeah. first of all, just ask them, please, please hold back on the interventions, okay? That's the first thing I'd say. Don't, don't call anybody with the cute little white coats and the arms wrapped behind my back. I'm, I'm good for that for now, okay? For now. For now. Um, but at the same time, Pray for me. That's what I ask people to do. Pray for me. If you believe that I'm headed in the wrong direction, who do you trust? Do you trust me or do you trust God? If you trust God, pray for me. He is able. He is mighty to save. He can yeah. save me from myself if that's if that's a problem. He did already, right? He saved us from ourselves. We were the ones who were headed to hell. We were the ones who were going in the wrong direction. And God saved us. Jesus came down. And saved us. Became poor so we could become rich. So, trust in Him. Pray for us. Um, God can save us. He can save us through your prayers because you, because the prayers of a righteous man avail much and you are righteous in Christ Jesus. So we always appreciate your prayers and also for those people who are standing like us. Ask the people around you to pray if you're concerned. Just like what Peter said to Paul, uh, I'm sorry, what Jesus said to Peter. He said that, that Satan has... Uh, desire to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. And then he left it at that. He's like, I prayed for you, and then I started chewing my nails because I was concerned about everything still. I have prayed for you. That's it. I have prayed for you, and it's a done deal. I'm not concerned because I have put you in the hands of the one who is able. Right? And for the people who are in the position of Noah, uh, and like us, if you're in the position where uh, people are making fun of you and all that stuff, and you saw that Noah never talked about Noah saying, you know, is this God? You know, uh, am I going the right way? That doesn't mean that he didn't have those thoughts, but he never acted on them. He never allowed those thoughts to move him from the, what God had told him. He continued to move in the direction that God told him. He continued to build the ark. I'm not saying that every time he hits a hammer down, he's not saying, oh my gosh, am I a retard? Like, why am I doing this? Am I, you know, putting a nail in a big, huge coffin that I'm going to be uh, going to sleep in after a while? But he, but he kept going forward with what God says. So no matter what your thoughts are trying to tell you, no matter what outside voices are trying to tell you, um, you just keep on with what God gave you. Keep on holding on to what God gave you, like, a dog holds on to a bone when somebody tries to take it away. Don't let anybody take it away. Don't let anybody, uh, what does the Bible say about hold on to your confidence? It has a great reward. Um, and I love, sorry, I love what you said too about even if we dig our own hole, God is, it's his responsibility, right? 
we said that a few weeks ago that even if we're at the end of our financial rope, our spiritual rope, if we if we made if we put our own selves in a situation purposely, mistakenly thinking it was God, whose responsibility is it to get us out? Well, I'm not my own savior. Right. God is my savior. It's his responsibility. And he willingly, happily takes that responsibility on himself, just like a child, you know, like I said at the beginning, trusting their dad. Well, he's the one who took it. Right. He's the one who gave up everything for us because he loved us. So he took on the responsibility because of love. And he doesn't say, well, you got yourself in this position. You are irresponsible. You get yourself out. Just like so many times in the Old Testament when all his people, they would get themselves in bad situations. And as soon as they would say, God, I need your help. Or like you said, sometimes they didn't even say that. Hmm. Right? He came to their rescue. No questions asked. Well, it would be kind of like um, Jesus slapping Peter's hand down and saying, you got yourself here. Because Peter's the one who asked to go on the water. It's not like it was Jesus' plan for him to be on the water. It's not like God said, you want to walk in my plan for you? Come out and walk on the water. He didn't say that. Peter said, if that's you, God, call me to walk out on the water with you. So it was according to Peter's desire and not God's that he would be on the water. And then when he lost sight of Jesus' faith, face and started sinking because he was looking at the wind and the waves, then Jesus didn't say slap, get more faith. <laughs> Back on the boat, loser. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you doing out here? This is my territory. I walked out here because I'm the man, and you ain't the man. Get back in the boat. No. He, he said, he reached out and picked them up and they walked back to the boat together on the water. On the water. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> say that the God we trust in is so much bigger, so much better than we can wrap our our brains around. So many times we try to we try to figure him out according to what's between these two ears. Between eight pounds of brain gray matter. We try to decide uh, the limits of the creator of all that there is with that finite little computing apparatus. So instead, of, what I would do is submit to you guys is trust him completely. Trust him outside of what you can see, hear, or even think about. Because he said he's able to do more than you can ask, think, or imagine. I was just looking at that verse. <laughs> exactly. So the best thing that you could ever think of, imagine, or anything like that, God is far exceeding that abundantly, wanting and waiting to give that to you. Absolutely. And one other thing is if you ever get to the point where something or someone is telling you that something is impossible, unfortunately it comes sometimes, many times from the, from the pulpits, we say that something is impossible. We may not even specifically say impossible, but that's what we get to because of what we say. Like if we say there are certain inevitable things like such and such, whatever these inevitable things are, like the, the, the one that everybody uses is death and taxes, whatever those things are, they're inevitable. And that means that it's impossible for you not to have those things. Well, 
Jesus Christ said, nothing is impossible for him who believes. So, it's another time when we have an opportunity and a choice to make. To say, am I going to believe that some things are inevitable and impossible? Or am I going to believe the words of Jesus Christ who said, all things are possible?